Hello, everyone. Welcome to the program. My name is William Hemsworth. It is great to be with you all again today. Pleased to have my guest. She's the author of a great new book titled Canto Divina. And you can check it out at charispublishing.com or on Amazon. So that's what we're going to talk about. We're talking about her book. We have author Deborah Keefe here. Deborah, how are you doing today? Very well, William. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Um, I really enjoyed listening to other authors and um, I really appreciate your invitation to be on here today. Oh, the pleasure is mine. I've really enjoyed your book. So anything I can do to help get the word out, I think it'll be really helpful to people. So thank you for taking time for coming on today. Appreciate it. Thank you. So your book, so what made you decide to write this book and why now? That's a great question. Thank you. Um, well, I, um, music as medicine is, is uh, near and dear to my soul. Um, as I was growing up, music was um, a significant part of my life. I grew up in a musical family um, and my father taught German bugle corps in the Catholic church. Um, I went on to study and perform on flute. So it was um, a, a significant part of my life. Um, as I grew into adulthood, um, I started to notice as I was raising uh, my family through the last 20 years that the people who were involved with music seemed to have a different level of health and wellness. So, you know, when you ask why now, you know, if I, if we look at the world the last 20 years, you know, September 11th, terrorism, trauma, fear, violence, post-traumatic stress disorder, school bullying, cutting, addiction, you know, suicide trafficking, all of it. Um, so as, as I was teaching flute and, and music uh, while raising children in that environment, I just noticed a significant difference between those that were involved with music and those that weren't in their health and wellness, level of health and wellness. So I was blessed to um, do the research, the clinical research as a master's in social work program at the University of New Hampshire. And um, so that led me into applying that research in my professional life in, um, at Head Start, uh, oncology, and then in hospice. And um, the work was uh, very effective in the medical field. And um, ethically, I saw it as a very valuable resource. So it was time to write the book. <laughs> so. Okay. Now, you had a, someone re really great do the forward. You tell us about the forward and maybe how yes. that process went. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Um, Mike Eppolina, who everyone knows, is such a wonderful, popular author. Um, he um, honored me by writing the, uh, the foreword uh, for Canto Divina. And um, he's written a book called How the Choir Converted the World. So after reading his book, I approached him and thought he would understand what Canto Divina was about. And I'd like to just bring you to a quick passage in, in his book, How the Choir Converted the World. Sure. Because it, it tells of the story of um, St. Augustine's conversion. You know, we hear about the prayers of St. Monica, um, and we hear that he had this powerful conversion, mm -hmm. but we don't always know how it happened. So I'll just quickly read it. And then it happened. It didn't come through meditation. It didn't come through speculation or reason. It came through the voice of a child singing. 
He was, and this we're speaking of St. Augustine. He was sitting in his garden from somewhere. He heard the voice of a child drifting through the air, repeating it in a sing-song voice. Take it, read it. Take it, read it. Take it, read it. He tells the whole story in his book, The Confessions. So uh, I'll let you pick up Mike's book to learn more. Um, but to know that St. Augustine's conversion happened with the sound of a child's voice singing um, really linked us together with this work for Canto Divina. Great. That's a beautiful story. So everyone check out that book. It's such a beautiful story. Now, in, in the introduction, you say that you wrote the book in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament. I guess, why, why in adoration? Why in adoration? That's a great question. Thank you. Um, well, 12 years ago, I uh, had my own journey home to Catholicism. I was raised Catholic um, and married Methodist and then um, came back to Catholicism through the death of my father. Um, and um, as a, a young child experienced addiction in the family and um, was blessed in my life with um, a search for the truth, um, you know, and, and honesty. There was a rigorous honesty in my life about wanting, I always felt in my heart there was a solution to any problems. So, um, you know, after going through 12 step programs and therapy in my own life, um, you know, th there was help there, but there was something missing in my soul. And, and that's really ultimately the work that I'm hoping to do is that as I came back to Catholicism, um, music had been a big part of my healing through other avenues, but there was something missing. And it was by returning to Catholicism and the sacraments and the sacred music and the baptism of the Holy Spirit that I received the soul healing that I needed. So, um, and that happened um, within an adoration chapel with, with the Eucharist, you know, Christ came to me, illuminated my soul and, um, and answered those deep questions that we have. Why do I keep doing this? You know, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so the, the book was, you know, Jesus had a calling on my life. Um, certainly I did the work and the research and had life experience, but this really, Canto Divina is from Christ. And I wrote it in Adoration Chapels all over the country as I did the research and the marketing for the book. And then 2020 hits with the pandemic. <laughs> so why during a pandemic is it important to know that music can bring comfort even we can't, even if we can't see that in public. Right. Thank you. You know, I, I asked God the same question, Lord, why is this book done now in the middle of a pandemic and with masks? And, you know, when they said we couldn't sing in church. Right. And um, so I think um, very clearly, because the timing of this whole process was really godly. Um, and, um, the main issue in the pandemic is fear, is anxiety. Um, you know, everything's changing. You know, what do we hold on to? Um, the solution is Christ. And um, part of in, in the book, what I outline is some of the medical research on reducing anxiety and stress um, through music. Um, one of the studies that... Um, really drew me deeper into this work was done by 
um, some researchers in the United Kingdom, and um, they um, actually put together a group of choristers and measured um, cortisol levels, which measures stress hormones, and then SIGA, secretory immunoglobulin, which measures immune system response. And they actually invested in um, salistat, you know, measurements of saliva before and after singing in a choir. And they did this, you know, over, you know, two weeks. So one week and then the second week. And just knowing that indicates that something's happening when you sing with a group of people, you know, that medical researchers are, were conducting this study. Um, so in that study, um, it became very clear that singing um, increase, increases, excuse me, the immune system response and reduces uh, the stress hormone cortisol, so that singing for health, the link between singing in, and health is very real. Um, so there are other studies that I go over in the book, but you know, as I've introduced this to others, when they hear that scientists actually measured saliva before and after singing to determine how it was affecting you know, health and wellness of choristers, um, really demonstrates that there's something very significant happening here. So in the pandemic, um, the concept, you know, to explain simply how does music affect anxiety? Um, uh, the concept is called entrainment. Okay. So um, when, um, as an intern in the Music for Healing and Transition program, we were brought into a patient's room who was about to undergo surgery to reduce anxiety. And basically um, the concept of rhythm and rhythmic entrainment is that by playing music at a certain beat, a certain rhythm, um, we can actually match the heartbeat and we can actually um, affect the, the heartbeat um, through music, through sound waves. So the sound of the music through the beat of the music sends out a sound wave and it connects to the heart rate. So you can go in if someone has anxiety and they are, you know, we have anxiety, our heart is racing, right? You know, our blood pressure's up, our heart's racing, our brains, you know, our brain waves are at a different level. And when we come in and play music at a steady heartbeat rhythm of about 60, 70 beats per minute, that the sound of that music entrains the heart to beat at the same rate. So we could actually go into a hospital room, we were prescribed, if you will, um, and lower our heart rate, literally watch the monitors and, and see the heart rate and anxiety disappear, lower and anxiety disappear. So is that how music can be used as medicine? Yes, that's a great question. Yes, um, there are so many different ways. Okay. Um, what, from the book, as I'm getting responses from some of the stories I have in the book, um, another avenue for using music as medicine is, is um, with Alzheimer's patients. And most people are familiar that music is doing something, um, but not always how profound a difference it's making in quality of life of Alzheimer's patients. Um, 
I was working uh, as a volunteer coordinator for a wonderful uh, VNA, and um, I was teaching the volunteers how to play. You know, um, it's called a reverie harp. So um, I taught them the the um, concepts of using music to reduce anxiety um, in Alzheimer's patients, and then we would go. We had about ten facilities that we visited. Um, one of the stories I'll just quickly share, a man who was, um, it was his first day, um, his wife had just brought him to this uh, uh, Alzheimer's facility and the staff didn't know him yet. You know, it takes a little bit, little time to get caught up on, on documentation. And of course he wasn't cognitive and couldn't speak to answer any questions. Um, his wife had just brought him and she'd gone back home and I was invited to sit with him with the harp and, and some volunteers. Within five minutes, that really wasn't even five minutes of playing the harp in a certain way. Um, and we're not reading music. You don't have to read music or no music. It's a simple training on the concepts. He became completely um, verbal, cognitively alert. Um, and started telling me the stories of meeting his wife and sailing together. And, you know, and this was a couple who'd been married 55, 60 years, and she had taken care of him for most of the disease process. Um, and he started playing back and forth with me. We were composing on the harp and I heard his life story. You know, we were there about half an hour. When his wife came back in as I was leaving and I could share with her the stories about, you know, she and her husband meeting and the sailing that she knew that someone in that facility, you know, really understood more of who he was. The tears in her eyes, I'll never forget. You know, and it's hard for me to share so many of these stories without tears because the work is profound and, um, the responsibility I felt um, in in seeing this work was enormous, you know. Um, so um, so that's why I set out on a cross country tour to do the research and and find how God was using sound to heal others. That's such a beautiful story. I can imagine how how the, his wife felt. That's amazing. So. Tell us a little bit more about Canto Divina. Like, what does it mean? How did you create it? And what do you hope to do with it? Thank you. Um, Canto Divina means I sing div of divine things, of divine song. Um, and it's based on Lexio Divina. You know, as I took the clinical research and then brought it out into the world, um, went through my own personal transformation, I became aware of the power of music to also connect our souls to the source of the music. So there are moral issues involved in the power of music. Um, you know, many of the great philosophers um, discuss this, that, you know, a society can be blessed and it can be destroyed by music. Um, it's quite powerful. Um, so um, as I, um, experienced my own healing and transformation through music and sound, I was brought to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, and when the, the um, religious 
we're singing in tongues. Um, sometimes it's singing in praises and sometimes it's singing in tongues. What happens is that the, the soul opens up to God, you know, when you're in a sacred environment. So there's the, the divine. And, and when you're singing praises or singing sacred music and the soul opens up to the divine, there's this um, mechanism, this um, communication channel with Christ where he can heal. So um, I, have, I have experienced that uh, in many ways, most profoundly in my vision. I had um, trifocals with thick prisms, um, eye surgery when I was nine or 10. And um, through a healing ministry from Father Greg Bramlage, while we were singing Alleluia, I received a healing of my vision. Mm-hmm. Uh, and why have I continued to just give my life to God to share this work um, is because I've been so blessed. Um, Great. Now, through reading your book, I saw the Psalms displayed pretty prom- prominently. So why did you choose the Psalms? That's a good question. Um, I've always loved the story of David and Goliath, you know, and especially as I look at the world now and think, oh my goodness, how are we going to overcome all of this anti-Christian culture? Um, And I've always believed that God is all powerful and that he has a solution. Um, So, you know, I had looked at biblically the stories of, of David healing King Saul's depression um, and then David, you know, as Jesus is in the line of David, how many times does the name David appear in the Bible? Right. So, you know, God kept bringing me back to David. Um, and then as I was trying to integrate the science and the history um, of, of music as medicine with the faith, knowing it was so important to connect the clinical with the soul. Um, I, I was brought to um, the Psalms, um, you know, David wrote most of the Psalms and as a social worker, you know, the emotions, the heart of God um, really are in every Psalm, um, you know, oh God, why have you abandoned me? You know, <laughs> you crying yeah. out to God or God, your mercy endures forever, you know, um, praise God, you know, glory be to God. And, and um, the heart is there. And the Psalms say it better than anyone ever could. Um, I also, knowing that for healing um, uh, and to create an intervention for healing and transformation, I also brought in the, the musician aspect of my life and the educator. So what I wanted to create was um, a system, a method of transformation that was also linked to repetition and practice. So when I looked at the Psalms, first there was the heart, there was the work of King David, but then you look at, at the liturgy of the hours. Um, that was part of my journey. And in the liturgy of the hours, you know, the priests, the religious are staying healthy, you know, through the Psalms. They are you know, there's about 18 Psalms a day, you know, there were, and St. Pius changed it to nine, but, you know, think of all the Psalms are sung in every mass all over the world. Um, So I knew there was power to the Psalms and um, in creating Canto Divina, which is based on Lexio Divina, um, 
I tried to integrate um, the work, clinical work with music and medicine um, with the soul of the Psalms and then the foundation of Lexio Divina. Great. Now the book's been, the book came out March 21st. So it's been about a month since it's been out. What yeah. feedback have you received so far from readers? Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, actually today um, I heard uh, it was power packed. So that was very exciting. You know, um, I wrote three books. This was the third one. So <laughs> each word was chosen um, specifically. Um, I'm also hearing that it's a great and valuable resource for integrating uh, music and the Bible in people's lives for healing. Um, people have liked the length um, that, you know, um, it was a valuable and quick read. It's about 150 pages. Okay. Um, so those are the initial responses. Great. Where can our listeners check out the book? If, and I encourage everyone to read it. Where can they get it? Um, they can get it on Amazon. It is under my name at this point, Deborah Keefe, and also cherishpublishing.com. So that would be C-H-A-R-I-S publishing.com. All right. And if listeners had questions or they wanted to reach out to you, how can they do that? Thank you. Um, right now, I'm just, uh, I'm on LinkedIn under Deborah Keefe. I'm also an email is contodivina at gmail.com. Great. Well, Deborah, thank you for joining me today to talk about the book. Congratulations on it. And I really, it's, it's a great read. I encourage everyone to go check it out. Um, any closing remarks you want to make to the listeners before I let you go to enjoy the rest of your day? Oh my goodness. Um, so many people were involved in this work and they are all listed in the acknowledgements. And it, it just, um, I want to thank you, William and, and Mike and Our Lady of Good Help, uh, the Shrine, in uh, Champion, Wisconsin, um, and most of all, my daughters, Naomi and Abigail, who just, um, you know, just believe in me <laughs> um, and have taught me really, you know, this was an act of love. My children taught me what it means to really love that um, it's not about me at all. You know, um, this is really about God and um, he really just wants to reach us and heal us. Hey man, again, the book is Canto Divina. So go ahead and check it out, guys. You know, you're on Amazon every day anyway. So just check it out. All right, yeah. Deborah, thank you very much. God bless you. God bless you too. Thanks so much, William. Oh, you're welcome.